good afternoon good evening good morning even welcome wherever you are in the world uh to the gaming podcast live my name is robin gray the founder of gaming magazine and this yawning person to the left of me uh is the wonderful mia bite uh i'm sorry was we, that audible is that all it's been a long week just it's a been a long week it's, yeah, it's just a stretch uh, it's a little bit of a stretch <laughs> stretching out the spine i wasn't yawning uh, we're here uh, every two weeks as always to talk about gaming stories news and gossip with special guests and i believe mia this is a very special episode isn't it it is a uh, a very special episode because we have multiple guests today and it's, we have multiple uh, it's guests. gonna be very and very it's fun all it's with a very... very big theme that will be revealed yes. very shortly um yeah. oh are we not revealing it yet okay all right well it's in the script in a little while <laughs> oh, okay. yeah i definitely read that yeah. um <laughs> uh, it's all good uh but i can't do this alone because you're already here so i've already introduced mm -hmm. you it's mia how are you yeah yeah hi how are you doing today by the way yeah not bad not bad not you're bad doing good yeah it's been good a week. sunday good sunday it's it has been a week, been a week. yep mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. i've just been like uh like away at the grindstone all week yet again but uh yeah it's we're here at the end of it now and then next week is a whole other week and we do it all, all over, over again, again. yeah so, yeah yeah, I'm glad that we're, uh, I mean, I'm kind of sad, but we're almost at the end of our DigiPride specials, too. I know, I know our yeah. penultimate episode, two and yeah, one. Penultimate. Yeah, penultimate. One more after this, and then and then no we'll more DigiPride specials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bit of a, will we be, have we announced that we're going to be taking a little bit of a break yet? Uh, well, you just did. Um, I just did. I so just yeah. announced that we're taking yeah. a little bit of That's a break. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We're, we're gonna. We've got two more episodes. This one and our next one. Um, and then the podcast is gonna take a little break uh, for mm -hmm. a couple of months, I think, and we'll come back at Christmas with a Christmas special. Exactly, Mundo. But uh, as a quick reminder, those of you who are watching this live now uh, can join us both in the Twitch chat here, chat away, or in the dedicated section over in the Gaming Magazine Discord, and we will pull your lovely, lovely uh, feedback and questions from there, if you have anything to add. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, we mentioned uh, DigiPride. You can go and find out what's happening for the remainder of DigiPride and also what you've missed because there's a lot of great stuff that's been out there that's on our YouTube that you can go and catch up with. Uh, head over to gamemag.com slash DigiPride. Uh, and there's also some fantastic competitions. You have two weeks left, actually, uh, to jump into some of our wonderful competitions. Whether you're in the UK and Ireland, you can enter a competition to win an Xbox Series S and one of the fabulous limited edition Pride controllers. Uh, if you're not in the US, uh, sorry, if you're not in the UK and Ireland, sorry, uh, you can also enter uh, a fabulous, there, there is the belated controller. Uh, you can enter a fabulous uh, competition from Sega, uh, which includes a Steam voucher that unlocks every single uh, Sega game in their Steam library, 760 odd games or whatever it is. Uh, Every single one, that's insane. Absolutely. Like, and you can mm -hmm. go to gamemag.com slash competitions for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. Um, yeah, like uh, I'm so glad we're past that that period of time where we had to do those those ads too. That's, uh, yeah, that's thank God that's over. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So no ads today. And uh, yeah, instead, uh, this week's episode is a very, very special episode. Uh, we might have spoiled it a little bit, but it's a Dungeons and Dragons themed, themed episode. episode. So that means all of our wonderful guests this week are either players or creators from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, our first guest, in fact, is none other than Jeremy Crawford from Wizards of the Coast. Hey, Jeremy. Woo! I still need Hello to, there. Still need to get that that applause button ready yeah. for our guests. We've got yeah. one more episode for an applause button. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. Um 
Well, welcome to the Gaming Podcast Live. Uh, let's kick off and just uh, inform us and the and, and the listeners and the viewers uh, what it is you do at Wizards. I'm the principal rules designer of D&D at Wizards of the Coast. I was also the lead designer of the 5th edition Player's Handbook, of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, uh, co-lead designer of Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and many other D&D books. So I have been working on D&D 5th edition from the uh, start of the D&D Next Playtest. Uh, before that, I worked on 4th edition. And when I was first hired at Wizards of the Coast, I worked on the very last book of 3rd edition. So I've, I've now worked on three editions of the game, uh, and it has been a delight to do so for almost 15 years now. Wow, that's amazing. So I, yeah, following on that, like 15 years is like such a long time. Uh, in that time, like what has uh, D&D meant for you throughout your life as a, a member of the uh, LGBTQIA plus community? So for me, at the very beginning, there was a queer element to D&D because I was introduced to D&D by my sister, Amy, who is a lesbian. Uh, and not only for me was D&D something shared with this fellow queer person who not only is my family member, but also a woman, uh, that meant that for me, D&D always uh, was for everybody. Uh, you know, there's the old stereotype back, especially when I was a kid, and I started when I was about six years old, that like, oh, this is a game just for, you know, straight boys. Mm. That was never my experience uh, because I was introduced to it by a little girl who grew up to be a lesbian uh, and who, by the way, uh, her and her wife's daughters now play D&D. &D, yeah. uh, and uh, I, during the pandemic, have almost weekly talks with one of my nieces about DMing, uh, about uh, their character, uh, so it's it's sort of turned into a family tradition. Eventually, we also then started playing D&D &D with my trans brother. You're probably getting the picture. I have a very queer family, uh, and uh, our family is basically a, a pride parade. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have all played D&D &D together. Uh, and so that perspective of this being a a fun, safe place for myself and for fellow queer folks, mm. that's been in the DNA of D&D for me from the beginning. And I've, I've been delighted over the years to discover that that's been true for other queer folks as well, that uh, they've been able to use D&D &D as a way to explore their own identities. They've uh, found a sense of comfort and safety in their D&D groups. And sometimes their D&D group is like their first group of friends that they come out to. I think a big part of that, and one of the reasons why I, as a, a very young queer kid coming to D&D was attracted to it, is so much of D&D is not only about making your own character, but it's also about making your own worlds. Mm. And as queer people in this world, we so often have to create our own spaces. We have to create places with other queer folk where we feel safe, where we can be ourselves, uh, where we can let our hair down and not feel like we need validation from the culture around us. 
we're world creators in many ways by our very nature. Uh, th this world has sort of forced us uh, to create worlds of our own, uh, different scales, uh, as well as found families mm -hmm. of our own. Uh, because the D&D story so often is about this ragtag group of people with very different backgrounds coming together to fight injustice, to fight monsters, to make things right. And so many of us as queer people in the real world have the experience of creating found families, uh, not only with fellow uh, queer people, but also with straight people who are our allies. And so there are so many elements of the D&D experience that sort of in a Venn diagram actually overlap, I think, with our experiences uh, as queer people of, again, creating spaces or worlds of creating, you know, these adventuring parties that are like family. Uh, and that for me has been part of why I've loved D&D going all the way back uh, to the beginning. And another funny thing in terms of how not only was I introduced to D&D by a fellow queer person, but I also came back to D&D uh, because of a fellow queer person, that person being uh, my my now husband. So uh, when we when we met about 25 years ago, uh, I actually wasn't playing D and D at the time. D and D was my main hobby all through my childhood and my teenage years. But I went off to college, and like many people, you know, to sort of explore other interests, explore other hobbies, and I had wandered away from it. Well, when uh, my husband and I uh, were living in Vancouver, British Columbia at the time, and I was a uh, grad student at the University of British Columbia, we were uh, impoverished uh, students uh, where uh, I, all I, the only money I was making was as a TA. Uh, he was, uh, now it's year, enough years have gone by, I could admit this in public. He was in Canada illegally. <laughs> <laughs> and being Canadian, and so, I don't think they'd mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we we were trying to think, well, what can we do uh, that doesn't cost much money that we would that we would really enjoy? And at one point, you know, I brought up, oh, I used to play this game D and D that I really loved, and he he admitted he had always wanted to play it, but the the straight kids at his school just sort of weren't inviting to him and he never really felt like there was a door for him uh, into that experience. And I was like, well, hey, let's let's try this out. And so we started just the two of us. And that sort of started this avalanche of me getting back into the game. We then, when we moved back to the States, found a group in Berkeley, California. Then we started playing with them. One thing led to another. I started doing freelance uh, game design work on the side, and then got a job at Wizards of the Coast, and here I am now. So in many ways, I'm here solely because of uh, my sister, Amy, and uh, my husband, Philip. And because of that, if you look in the introduction of the player's handbook, there's an example of play that kicks off the introduction of the book. That example also appears in our starter set. And if you look at it, you'll notice the names of the players in that example of play are Amy, 
and Philip. And so I've, I've made sure uh, that their names keep showing up uh, in our books. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing sort of story of a journey of, of somebody sort of like just living through that. And I think I, I look, I, it, it resonates on with me on every level about kind of the whole found family kind of thing, but also making our own spaces, etc. Um, so how has D&D portrayed queer characters in its stories um, and then supported their experience through the rules? So when we came out with the fifth edition player's handbook in 2014, it was really important to me and the rest of the team that right there in the main rule book for our game, we acknowledge that, hey, the character you make can be queer. We wanted to do this for two important reasons. One, as a signal to fellow queer folks, hey, we see you, we're here making this mm. game, and there's a place for you in this game, but also to encourage groups of all sorts to remember to have queer folks in the worlds they're creating. So it's sort of, we were, it, with, with the simple statement of, hey, consider uh, your character's gender identity, consider your character's sexual orientation, because again, we want people in the real world to see there's a place for me in this game, but then also there's a place for queer folks in these fantasy worlds that we're creating. We've then built on that since then in our adventure books where we have made sure, and we've been doing this in every one of our adventure books since uh, The Curse of Strahd, we have made sure that there are always queer folks in the adventures and queer folks of different sorts. I mean, we have trans characters, we have non-binary characters, we have people in different configurations of relationships. Uh, in some of our recent books, we've made sure that that's also evident in the art. Uh, you can see that there's a there's a, a painting in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that just very matter-of-factly has two, two wizard boyfriends there. We have uh, our Strixhaven book coming out later this year where we have multiple queer couples depicted in different paintings uh, in the book. Uh, we have characters popping up over and over again in not only our stories, but now even our rule books and one of the key things that we keep doing over and over again is we we do this inclusion matter-of-factly. And what I mean by that is we don't shine a spotlight and say, look, here there be queer folks. Mm. Because one of the things that's really important to us is that, and, and I say this not only because I'm queer, but actually multiple members of our design team are queer. It's really important to all of us on the team that queer people get to exist matter-of-factly in mm. the fantasy worlds we create, just like everybody else. They don't need a special reason to be there. There isn't some special introductory story to make everyone comfortable with the fact that a queer person is going to show up. It's like, nope, we're here just like anybody else. We don't need a special introduction. We get to be heroes. We get to be villains. We get to be full participants in these stories, in these worlds that we're creating. Worlds that don't need to be marred by homophobia or transphobia. Uh, worlds where queer folks can just, like anybody else, learn magic, pick up a sword, fight dragons, and feel like full participants uh, 
in these stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, our game is about entertainment, but we believe that making these choices has the, the potential to make the real world a better place because the more people experience in their entertainment, yep. queer people being fully integrated into life, a fact that they're surrounded by in mm -hmm. the real world. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. I mean, we're, we're also matter-of-factly here everywhere. and everywhere <laughs> in, the, in the real world. Uh, and so what we're really doing is making sure that we're also matter-of-factly everywhere in our fantasy worlds. My hope as a designer is because D&D is so influential on the designers of other games, because so many video game designers and board game designers tell stories about how they cut their teeth as a dungeon master, mm -hmm. or as a player in D&D, in and then went on to design video games or board games. And my hope is that the more we do this in D&D, the more it will inspire it to occur in other games so that you know when people learn as a teenager or even younger how to you know build a compelling adventure and 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 put together a story with interesting characters if the norm they're used to mm -hmm. is just queer folks are matter-of-factly here then i'm hoping that will influence the games we see in the future i yeah absolutely i really do think like that it is key is having that exposure there that they wouldn't necessarily get in normal life because in normal life it's so easy just to put your blinders up and not have to deal with anything but it's like having these matter of fact characters there just so much more towards normalization um with with me personally a lot of my like uh, D, D experience has always been online and i've tried really hard to get people into the game like offline and i've always found like some people like intimidated by dungeons and dragons um why do you think that like some players who haven't gotten into DD are intimidated about jumping in and, and what would you say is the best way of like convincing someone to give it a try i think and this is a funny answer for me as the person who oversees the creation of our rule books. I think sometimes the thickness of our rule books <laughs> is why the game uh, can be intimidating. Uh, and I think the best way to learn how to play D&D is to actually just sit down at the game table, have somebody give you a pre-generated character. So don't, don't ask this brand new person to make a character. Just have them sit down. And what I have done, I've actually managed to teach people how to play D&D in 10 minutes or less. And all you have to do is just tell them, when I, as the dungeon master, turn to you and say, it's your turn, just describe to me what your character does, and I, as the DM, will translate it into rules for you. The only other thing the new player needs to know, other than, hey, you have a character, you get to decide what your character does, is they need to know what those funny polyhedral dice are. So, you know, if I if I say D20, this is the one I mean. Uh, if I, you know, say D8, that's the one I mean. And then if I ask you to make a check uh, or an attack roll or a saving throw, you're gonna roll that 20 sided die and you're gonna add a number I point to on your character sheet and I'll tell you if you succeeded or not. Those are about all the rules you need to know to get started. Uh, as long as, you know, the DM and the other players are gracious and willing to translate the person's story intent into rules, you will be playing D&D in no time. 
because I think I think a lot of people who've been playing D and D for many many years, for whom the rules come as second nature, mm. they actually forget that the heart of D and D isn't the rules; it is that cooperative narrative that the players in the DM create together with the players making narrative decisions for their characters, the DM making narrative decisions about non-player characters and about the world at large, and all of that improv coming together with the rules as this medium for resolving whether things succeed or not. As long as the DM does the translation, the new folks don't need to read the rules. Uh, and, and so I think that that's the main thing is just sit down and play and have someone, have someone just tell you, this is what you need to roll when you decide to do this or that. I came to this realization a number of years ago when I started DMing quite a bit for kids. I love DMing for kids. Their unbridled imaginations are so amazing, uh, in D and D and they demonstrate what I'm talking about exactly, where they will just start telling you all this amazing, wondrous stuff that their character is going to do. And a DM, rather than trying to like squash that and say, no, this is what the rules do. Instead, the DM has this wonderful translation task of, I'm gonna let them do all of this. And I, behind the DM screen, will translate it into rules so they get to just be immersed in the world and immersed in the story because at the end of the day for any of us who play DD or dm DD, that's what we're looking for we want to enter into this fantasy world with the story we're all telling together uh with the rules occasionally i often refer to the rules as the butler you know the that you know will will serve us some assistance but otherwise it's about the story we're telling together and this world that we're exploring as this found family i think you hit the nail on the head because i think for me it's like i'll freely admit to the fact that i'm the i'm the dnd virgin here i'm the one that hasn't played it and i think it's very much because um whenever you sort of see it happen it's it's whether you're watching some of the fantastic youtube shows that are out there whether you're watching some of like the two guests that will be on in just a second some of their wonderful streams that are out there um you seem to feel like you're a bit overwhelmed by all the sort of like the terminology and as you say the kind of inch thick rules books and, and all this sort of stuff and I think you get very kind of like you sort of think like oh my god I've got to like study up and I've got to do all these things and everything else before I can just jump into it but I think that that lovely yeah, idea of a, just that being was a similar thing I had at the start too it was like I was so scared of like messing something up or doing something yeah wrong exactly or like yeah doing like the stuff I'm supposed to do in a turn out of order and it like it wasn't until like I was taken aside and just told listen don't have to worry about any of that just approach what your character would do first and i actually have a, a really lovely person um a voice actor lucas schooneman who's in a bunch of different stuff um he literally like did exactly what you were saying he led me through like my own he, he let me make my own character but he led me through like a little mini uh kind of adventure on my own uh first and just mm. let me do my own thing and it was so great to to get me into the game at the start it was fantastic oh, i love it and, uh, and funnily enough, also, again, given my current role as the principal <laughs> rules designer, when I first started playing D&D, I didn't know it had rules. Because, uh, again, I was only six. Hmm. And there was an older kid at the school who ran it for us. And I just said what my character did. And they told me what dice to roll, if we even rolled dice. 
so later when I discovered that there were rule books, I thought I had found some sort of like, you know, sorceress <laughs> grimoire, you know, <laughs> what, is, what is this magical tome uh, that, that provides tools to assist mm. the storytelling? That's really interesting the way you sort of phrase it as like the rules shouldn't be like that really kind of scary big big book it's a, it's an assistant as a butler as you called it earlier mm -hmm. um yeah i think the only thing to fear in in D, &D is murder hobos that's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, listen i'm i'm super inspired uh i i will uh make a pledge to jump into it at, before the end of the year i really will we should um, do it together we should do it together we, we should, should do it, do it on it a pod no we've not, not on a bloody podcast we do enough of them um but i think yeah we, we should and the, the, also the the wonderful amy hart who's probably watching this um who's a, the uh editor-in-chief now of gaming uh is a fantastic dm so i think mm -hmm. uh and she lives in Birmingham, where where we all live as well. So and all the two of us live. So I think that's that should be a date that we'll figure out for uh, the very near future. Sounds good. Yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been thank absolutely you for having me. And I love the fact that uh, D and D uh, is an exceptionally queer hands. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, makes me so happy. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy. Take thank care. you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, oh, such a nice, such a nice person. That's a delight, and and I, yeah, I just I love the fact about the whole um, kids and whatever being brought up on D and D, and it's just oh my uh, god, my heart, my a heart. wonderful rainbow family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Should like, we get some so more nice guests on? Yeah, let's get some more guests on. Um, let's keep this D and D theme going. Exactly. I guess uh, our next guests are the fabulous urban bohemian aka brian gray and uh eugenio vargas hey both yeah. <laughs> oh you've swapped over yeah yeah we have <laughs> that works too that works too welcome on in how are you all doing today great doing really Thanks well for having us. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I imagine Excellent. you were uh, watching from backstage then. Um, that was such a, a lovely chat we just had with uh, with yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, it's always yeah. nice to hear to hear Jeremy chat about his journey to the game. Uh, I've had the privilege of hearing him talk on on aspects of that a couple of times, and like you said, it's nice to know the game is in queer hands. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, not just with Jeremy, obviously, but also the the bulk of the design team as well. Um, like knowing that I think is is really great. And I think it's really inspiring for people. Um, let's move on. So we're going to talk about, we'll kick off our podcast as always with our weekly recap section, the, the bit where we talk about what we've been up to the past couple of weeks. Um, mine's really simple. I haven't done anything. No, I have. I have been, I, I haven't, honestly, I genuinely, I haven't touched a video game for two weeks. Why on earth am I on this podcast? Um, let alone hosting it. But um what we have been doing, and I, I can talk for me actually on this one as well, is that it, for those of you who can cast your mind back to the depths of uh, to the depths of the pandemic in February of this year, we had our gaming awards, the world's first LGBTQ video games awards, uh, of which there is a, a, a nominee in our presence, um, and uh, we we had. Um, we had the wonderful thing of normally we should have a party straight after an award show. Obviously the award show was virtual. So instead we hived off the party and moved it forward six months into August. And it was last Thursday uh, down in London. It was fantastic to be actually back in the real world with a hundred and odd uh, queer industry people from the games world. Um, some fantastic uh, nominees, some fantastic people, some fantastic friends. Um, and yeah, it was just a lovely, lovely experience of, of mm. actually being back, seeing people, being with people, celebrating with people, uh, and being entertained by a seven-foot drag queen. 
yeah, I was going to say, like, my, that's the highlight of my night, just <laughs> the, uh, getting to meet so many wonderful people, but, you know, the drag, the drag show, oof, oof, I loved it. Yeah. I can't, it's a, it was a little uh, explicit, so I can't necessarily go into the minutiae <laughs> of what it was, but, uh, it was very, very fun to watch, and my god, she pulled off some of those outfits, uh, quite literally at one point, actually. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Was, uh, that was a lot of Big fun. love to the wonderful Civil War um mm -hmm. but yeah so that was my that's kind of like my main highlight of the week um obviously i use this opportunity to talk about what we're coming up and what we've got coming up on digipride um there are a couple of more uh let's play streams coming up that will be announced very soon um one with borderlands from 2k and one with uh kiwi uh from sold out games um kiwi's happening on launch day so that's october august august 30th august 31st um and the Borderlands one will be TBC uh, until I get to chat to people about when the hell are we actually going to do it. But that'll just be a lovely playthrough of the fabulous uh, gaming award nominated uh, DLC Guns, Love and Tentacles, which celebrates obviously queer marriage in the Borderlands world. Uh, so yeah, keep looking out at gamemag.com slash digipride for all the information on that. Uh, and to be honest with you, that's the end of my weekly recap. <laughs> Mia, what have you been up to? Hopefully a lot more than me, otherwise this podcast is going to be really short. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I've been continuing my soiree into Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm not sure if anybody Lovely. else here plays Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> okay, so I just hit credits in Shadowbringers and it was uh I don't want to spoil anything, but it was one hell of uh, an emotional time. I like throughout the entire game there were reveals in there. I'm like, I called that, I called that, I called that. And uh, it was just really gratifying, especially there's this one boss who is this horrifying thing. And I got to a moment where I'm like, oh, no, he's hot. Uh, I don't <laughs> People who've played it will know what I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, so that was a very, very fun boss fight. But I had a lot of fun with 14. Still going with that, still going through the um, patch quests. Uh, I will describe Shadowbringers. If you've not played Final Fantasy 14, and you you tried to play it and you're a little bit put off by you know the slog that is the story at the start heaven's ward the second expansion is great stormblood third expansion great and shadowbringers i would i would say that is a um legend of zelda twilight princess isekai with a better final fantasy story that would that would be how i describe that yeah uh what if yeah what if uh you but you all played final fantasy as well right the 14 what what are your experiences been like with that um Good. I haven't played a lot of it lately because there are so many things to play, but it's, I'm seeing a lot mm. of friends who are, for whatever reason, just now getting back into it, and I am feeling that urge again, and I, I just love how no matter when you hop into it, it kind of catches you up. Like, here's what's, here's what's happened. Now you. So yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really fun to watch. Um, I'm just hitting it for the first time, so I'm leveling my very first character right now. My my partner and I, actually my partner and I spent all all morning and early afternoon today uh, just sitting on the couch, and he plays on the PS4, and I play on the computer that I take out into the living room. And nice, yeah. uh, but it's been what uh, it's been what, what what roles? Do you uh, so, well, what, what so we think? we both have two characters. <laughs> we have a pair. Oh, I just blanked on the name. We lost you for a second there. Sorry. Oh, sorry about that. I don't know why it's doing that um we we have two characters okay. each we have our like characters that we play separately when we're sitting in the same room and that one for me is a gladiator paladin uh because i've never tanked mm -hmm. in an mmo before and i'm kind of loving it i have to tell you 
Uh, and then our other ones are two uh, that we play together and haven't played in a while because we're both at the part of the main story that like kind of really takes off and we want to find out what happens. But our other characters are um, mages from Ulda. What are they? I mean, from Limsa Liminsa. What are they um, called? Ar um, Arcanists. Oh, um, They're both Arcanists, Arcanists yeah. and I'm going to eventually go scribe with that one. So, or scholar rather. Hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, Brian, what, what are you, what are you, what do you mean? It's been a while since I've dipped in. I don't, I, I, I would need to come back okay. to be like, oh, where are we now? What is That's happening? Okay. Join us. Yeah. I know. It's a whole thing. I couldn't get my username back and then I got my username back and I, I finally dipped in. So like, yeah, I gotta, I'm just afraid because like, like Eugenio said, there's no just like, oh, I'll just play for a little moment. I'll just no. play for a few minutes. I'll just see what's going on. No, it's like, this is no. my all day now. This is it. We're here. <laughs> We live here now. <laughs> yeah, I I spent all day the other day Cancel leveling up Blue Mage. Like the whole day, I had a day off. I just got online and I started leveling Blue Mage all the way up to level seventy, and then it, I don't regret it. I don't like, regret that's it. The, that's it was, the, like the the all trades fun. kind of like you can you really can pull from a lot of different things with the Blue mm -hmm. Mage class. Yeah, it's the limited class where um you have to like steal enemy spells in order to like progress with it, and it's it's really oh, cool. It's very cool. very cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So definitely definitely worth playing. The only reason I'm doing it is because there is a specific mount that you have to clear like some super hard raids with a party of four blue mages, and you can only use blue mages, um and it has to be uh with echo turned off so the game doesn't get any easier and synced oh levels. So it's super hard content. If you clear it all, you get a Marlboro tentacle monster mount that can carry you around. And I just really want the hentai mount. That's uh that's what I want right now. I will say, so, as yeah. a new player and just like wandering around, especially in the, the main cities and seeing all the other players, the mount game in this particular franchise is very strong. <laughs> there have been flying mm -hmm. polar mm -hmm. bears Most and batmobiles and and dragons and mm. phoenixes. It's really fun to just walk through town and see what everyone's riding. Yeah, polar bears literally just dropped as well uh, from the Moonfire Fair event that's going on. I think that's on till like the end of the next uh, next week, like the 24th or something. Oh yeah, just as a reminder for people as well, if you come to my stream, I'm actually including a promotion where if you gift four gifted subs, you get yourself a limited black fat chocobo <gasps> mouse. Oh nice. That that chocobos are so good. There you go. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, over the Final Fantasy, I played the Back for Blood beta. I still love it. I'm a massive fan of Left for Dead, uh, so I'm super, super into that. I um, I definitely want to. Um... Oh, de definitely. I know that's a joke in chat. B BRB something to me, but don't do it unless I'm live because it doesn't work unless I'm live. I don't want anybody to lose all. Oh, uh, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um... What was I saying? Back for Blood. Yeah, Back for Blood is great. It basically plays like Left for Dead. Um, it, there's a lot added to it, and it throws a lot at you uh, a lot of the time. So it's very, very difficult, even on the lower difficulties. I don't know. Has anybody else played Back for Blood? I've watched uh, it. I, I've watched that? it. I never played Left for Dead, mm. but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gonna oh my God. see if I... people want to hop into the beta because it looks kind of fun, even though it's kind yeah. of also disgusting. But it looks a lot of fun. 
it's, yeah no i mean well it's a zombie like killing game so but it's it's i had so much fun and i say oh my god because like i some of my best memories are playing left for dead 2 after college with like my group of american friends just over xbox live and and just like literally going into the early hours of the morning just playing that over and over again especially the versus mode and so i'm really hoping it's literally one of the games i've probably like logged the most hours into so i'm really hoping that when back for blood launches it's gonna it's gonna like bring back those same feels and it has a little bit but the the beta is quite limited so it's really hard to tell whether or not it's going to be something i'm really into yet because there's a whole bunch of like stuff on top like a card system where you can use modifiers with these cards that change the way that you play whether you get extra health or uh, faster ammo reloading all this kinds of stuff and you have to unlock cards as you play too so i'm just hoping that that doesn't kind of obscure the experience too much and makes it like far less accessible to people um but it's it's got promise and i'm looking forward to the actual finished release um but right now i you can only play with friends in the beta you can't literally play solo with bots and i really wanted to see what that experience was like but apparently that's not available right now but yeah um that's that's about all i've been up to just literally those two things and going to the event brian what have you been up to We've been getting um, this, week. this past week, actually, I, I have two things that I've been dipping into on stream. I've been doing this uh, recent indie release, uh, Haven Park, and it's an adorable, cute little sim game. You're playing, um, you, you play a character who has been tasked by his grandmother to maintain this park. And it, it's like, essentially like a national park. And you're going, and there's all sorts of little quests in between. And there's a story that weaves in between. And um you could play the whole thing in a, in an afternoon. It's it's a very it's a very shoot, short, cozy, cute game, um, and we had a lot of fun with that. And then off stream, my own time when I just kind of zone out. It's so strange, but I've been playing Power Wash Simulator. It is so <laughs> oh, satisfying yeah. to just clean I've heard things. That. It's so satisfying. <laughs> That's just... the most Brian thing I have ever heard. Wow, <laughs> I am mean... I wrong? I've wanted to do the same thing IRL. Like if you've ever used like a power washer IRL, it's, yeah. I'm just taking it's, the scum off things. You know, Ooh, and it's, yeah. it's you know, if you if you enjoy ASMR, you can adjust it. So it's basically this lovely like shush, shush, shush in your ear, and you're just you're just stripping away dirt off of things. And I'm like, oh, this is this is so where did the time go that I wasn't expecting this game to do for me? But yeah. <laughs> 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 honestly I like i i could i can completely uh see what you're what you're talking about with that i definitely want to want to jump into it like <laughs> it, i don't know what's the level structure like in that do you just like clean the place and then you're done and you move on to the next one or it how does, does that, so there, how does there that are there's a free there's a free play mode there's special things um but there is a career mode so it has a plot and they you know it can be you can have a career as a power I mean, washer that's just it, mm, it, it sets up that. yeah um, but they do a lot of fun in jokes with the with like you get text messages as you play but there is a level of difficulty that starts at very simple and then because it's a power wash it's basically you're using a power washer so the stains get hmm. more difficult you have to increase you have to upgrade your equipment you have oh. to use different things oh, so you like sort of start on like your back yeah. in, your, in your backyard and then you have to you sort of grade up yeah like and it's the, the, the larger scale in a, in a of things bath. so you're spending more time on stuff i am i am not making this sound you know what yeah let's, no I, I I, that's how i wasn't I laughing at you i said what i said no well it wasn't you that, that was, was robin's robin. uh 
morning after the gay morning bar after in a gay bar. comment. The yeah, balls. wonderful. Yeah, I let's wonder, highlight that for know. a second. No, that's for a different podcast. That's for a different <laughs> yeah. podcast entirely. Yeah. You haven't you listened know. to episodes. I guess of this it podcast. is nine forty-five um, where you two are. So this is after dark. Oh, for that's half true. Time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, is, yeah. This, is, this is well after a watershed. I was yeah. waiting for one of you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, haven't gotten actually into places oh. yet, although that could be we should I mean honestly they're they're still in they're still in early access and open to feedback. So maybe I'd be like, Yeah, have you considered? Absolutely. Have you considered? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's my gay bar? Oh, yeah. gosh, please move on from me. This is yeah. <laughs> so, what was your favorite part? No, um, so, <laughs> go on. What, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, lots of Final Fantasy 14. It's not been power washing gay no, bars. It hasn't, but you know, that's on the to do list. Oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah. Lots totally. of Final Fantasy 14. Uh, I do on on uh, on stream. I am making my way through the Mass Effect franchise. I'd never played before, so um, I I streamed a full playthrough of all three Dragon Age games, and then the Legendary Edition of Mass Effect dropped uh, pretty pretty well timed, actually, not too long before I finished Dragon Age Inquisition on stream. So I uh, pretty quickly transitioned into that, and we're about two thirds of the way through Mass Effect Two right now. It's a little over halfway through the through the franchise, uh, but that's been a ton of fun. I love I love those two franchises. I love what Bioware did with the narratives and and having mm. consistent storylines through the three games. If you want them and if you've played through them, um, and the community uh, really loves you know going through there and and so that's been a ton of fun. Um, oh, you know what else I've spent a ton of time on uh, is there's I, I don't know if you all have seen it, but there's now an Animal Crossing mobile. Uh, get pocket island or something like that yep. y'all the amount of time wait yeah I've well i apologize for introducing you because the amount of time <laughs> i have spent oh there's a Lord. fishing contest going on right now y'all the giant squids it's all i want in my life uh <laughs> but it's it's a ton of it it's very cute uh you know it's it's a mobile game so like there is monetization that you can choose to interact with or not and blah 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 but it's it's cute it's fun really can you imagine I've such a thing i've never seen anything like it <laughs> yeah, no but it has you know not. it has all the cute characters from from new horizons and and it's a lot of fun so that's my you know walking between one room to the next let's catch a few fish and <laughs> grab a few peaches <laughs> off the trees Heck yeah love that. like I'm so glad that we're we're all looking forward to uh giant squids and, and tentacles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh... Really? Yeah, wow. I mean, it yeah. Gets in. Back to power washing game. <laughs> um it was inter- it was interesting that uh, that nobody said um uh boyfriend dungeon at any point. I I see um, that. I haven't started, played yeah, it. It's it's um, on deck. On on my list, I did. Yeah. I that's, can't that's believe I didn't mention I really it because I did start it. Uh, it's sort of a little. Oh, I'm gonna well, do it as go. kind of a little like uh, we like to do little side quests on my streams because uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, particularly the Mass Effect series, can get heavy. Uh, <laughs> so like we do yeah. mod libs together, and we now will do like thirty to forty five minutes of boyfriend dungeon. So we just started. Most of it was character creation, <laughs> of course. Um, so not not too much to report yet. Wait, are you creating yourself or the 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 swords or whatever? Uh, yourself. Oh, I have frozen. Okay, there we go. Ah. Yeah, yourself. Uh, and I I made it interactive with the community. So we did polls about you know what what Ooh. pronouns do we want to use, what hair color do we want, mm-hmm. what eye color and eye shape. And so it was fun. We had a good time. 
Cool. Awesome. It's definitely something I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping into just uh, when I have like a moment to breathe. Um, but yeah, it, it, it looks really great fun. Um, cool. Um, should we move on to our, our bite-sized news uh, segments? Because we've got some very exciting yeah. things coming up. Uh, getting back onto the D&D topic, the first thing, the biggest news of the week um, is that Wizards of the Coast and gaming are collabing for DigiPride 2021 uh, with a special event that is taking place this coming Thursday. Uh, 7 p.m. UK time, which is 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, and that basically is a fantastic one-shot with some fantastic people playing. Uh, the DM is Leander, Anato, Lewis, and Nwayo, and the players are Jamie Dodger, Shaba, uh, Rowan Ellis, and Charity Case. Uh, they're all a fantastically British cast, uh, all British queer people that are in really, really uh, love D&D. And they're raising money in aid of Mermaids, which is a fantastic, fantastic charity here in the UK. Uh, and I believe around the world as well that supports uh, trans people and their lives. Uh, so yeah, please go and check that out. It'll be on uh, twitch.tv slash dnd and youtube.com slash dnd wizards. Uh, we'll also co-host it on this very gaming channel to whoever's going to watch here as well. Uh, but yeah, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much to Wizards, obviously, for the support uh, throughout all of uh, DigiPride. And uh, we've been a bit coy, I think, on the podcast a few times over the past couple of months about what Wizards have been up to uh, with DigiPride. Uh, and this week with this podcast and this thing coming up on Thursday uh, kind of reveals uh, what we've been working on. So yeah, that's that's really really exciting, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yay! So many exciting things coming up. Um, I have a a very interesting story. So uh, Robin is uh, by now in the in the comics in the Batman no. comics. Bye ish. I was going to say I'm more pansexual <laughs> Wait, no, rather than Not bi, that but... Robin. Batman's okay. Robin, uh, specifically the Tim Drake version, has come yes. out as maybe by well, it's hard yeah. to say because the comic that it's appearing in is more about robin discovering that he's questioning and maybe wants to go out with with uh, a childhood friend of his like this dude because he was saving him from a bad situation and realized he would have really liked to finish that date so yeah it's um it's it's cool to see that uh, DC are actually like adding more queer representation within their stuff, but that story isn't necessarily finished yet. So hopefully they don't do a huge 180 and say, "Oh no, he's straight again." Now we were just experimenting with something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think the next comic comes out in December, so yeah. we don't really know all that much yet. But I don't know. How do you feel about this? Because I know that 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 DC has like kind of a spotty history with queer characters, especially like it took them ages to announce that <laughs> Harley Quinn and Ivy were actually in a relationship together yeah. out of Spotty all those is things. Being very kind. Um, think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely being very kind. I mean, we all were, I don't know if you remembered uh, what happened a few months ago during pride month when uh, they uh, were celebrated pride month. I believe it was injustice Two, the mobile version they uh they had uh, characters beat up poison ivy over and over and over again uh to celebrate pride month yeah because she's a queer character which was a yeah. really bad look so they've not exactly been the best and i know that's more of a video game side of things and warner brothers in general games but they've not really been the best at queer representation at various levels so i i don't know how, how are you all feeling about about this i hope it i hope robin's bi or even gay that would be cool but yeah it's uh i think i don't know 
how, how are you feeling about Robin being potentially? The panels weird? I read do a really good job of talking about, like they do a really good job of meshing in Tim Drake as Robin trying to decide who he wants to be mm. like in general. And then mm. having this conversation with a detective who somehow really kind of nails, like we're not talking about your life as Robin, are we? We're, we're talking about other stuff. So I think it's a really good portrayal of a character questioning their questioning mm -hmm. who they are, especially when you've had to live your life, you know, as, as a Robin, you're what a Batman expects you to be and what everyone expects you to be as a part of Batman. So I think it's a really cool that he's able to question that part of himself in addition to his own, you know, his own sexual identity. But as you say, DC's track record is not great. Um, so I, I do have a lot of hope for December. I really hope that the story comes out well and that they don't end up like sweeping this under the rug later on. But I, I think it's great. I, I just, a lot of things, both, both comic houses do for that pride moment or that clout moment. And I really hope that this is not that. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. I, I, I think it's something that it, it, we have to wait and see. And I think it's, it's been interesting looking at the news this week um, around the kind of like all the headlines of, Hey, Robin's confirmed to be bi. And it's like, well, not yet. <laughs> it's, it's very kind of, I think Matt wrote a really great column for us. Actually, I've got a link for that. Um, in our comments corner, that was very kind of like, it's a good step. Um, he's, I think he describes him as nebulously queer, <laughs> um, but, but very much in a sort of like, we're not quite sure where that's going to land just yet. Um, but look, I think DC, as you say, has some problems. DC certainly, I think I'm right in saying there isn't one. I think their male identifying characters are all straight. So I think this is a good step in that direction. Mm. Am I right in saying that? I, I don't I know think like DC all their male Batman characters are right, like pretty, pretty much all uh, okay. they, they have introduced. Yeah. They've introduced um, queer characters other other ways. They've retroactively made queer characters. So it's not like this is the first time for that to happen, but for a major in the Batman, major uh, yeah. uh, piece of their property like mm. Batman, this is a big deal. Mm. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I just think I, I really hope that they, they've committed to it and they really pull through with it. Yeah. Um, and I can't it even like, worthwhile. it's weird with DC. Cause like, it, it just seems something seems weird about there being queer characters in the DC universe. Cause like always. So like when it comes to the, like the movies, I mean, I can't imagine like a, a Zack Schneider, even though those, 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 uh, those are very homoerotic those movies yes um but like i can't i can't imagine like them introducing like a queer character in like the 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 current dc cinematic universe that they're building and it's actually something that that's again we've come back to that nobody on like the film side of things even dc or marvel has has put their foot into the queer camp and introduced any characters that are queer uh, i know that loki was uh announced as being by with like a little line mm -hmm. in, uh, in the loki series yeah. and but like even so that's like uh that's cordoned off on disney plus it's not exactly the same as having it like loud and proud on the big yeah. screen and i think that would be a lot more meaningful to me than just anything that's in a, in a comic book. But it well, just we're meant like to be finding out, I think it's in a few months time with the Eternals. Um, that's going to be the kind of like the big one that's coming up in on the big screen from mm, a Marvel yeah. point of view, because that genuinely has a queer character in it. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like what Jeremy said earlier. It's like, I don't necessarily want to see people being like, hey, I'm queer. And like, now all the focus has got to be on that character. Yeah. I just, you know, it'd be nice to see those characters existing. I mean, in, um, what was it, Endgame? You had that one, even though it was the director playing the queer character. Um, you had a little oh, tiny, yeah. like, little bit of representation there. And like, they thought that was enough. It would be nice it's, to it see. It was the work the Disney beginning. Where, yeah. yeah 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 it's yeah it's that, that, no that it's it's blinking you miss it it's, Blink, you it's miss what it. I, it's stuff what that can be edited it. out for the uh the foreign right. audience you know it's it's so. the dis it's the disney easy cuttable moment Although, um mm -hmm. so it's the it's the queer kiss in star wars that very tidily fits into a frame or it's the uh the, the clip in this which is very tidily in a frame that could just either go snip and we don't have to worry about that yeah anymore. i think um, they, they have to worry about that i they'll they'll claim all sorts of reasons they'll claim different markets or this or that although i will say the the one thing that was very exciting to see is after watching wandavision it introduced a character who is canonically queer in the comics if you haven't seen it i won't spoil it but go watch mm. it um mm -hmm. it introduced mm -hmm. a character who's canonically queer in the comics and looks like will persist into whatever the next property lead-in is. So that is still mm. exciting. Hopefully. But they have a long way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's coming. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's coming. I mean, it's interesting what um, Steve Kenson just said in the chat about even with the Eternals, it's going to be interesting to see how the how kind of easily kind of cuttable those moments of, of queerness are in that film as well. Um, of course, it's it's about authenticity. It doesn't need to be kind of two characters getting it on in the background or something it's 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 just a really easy kind of but it's that that reference to a husband or a partner or something that's that's part of an intrinsic dialogue that can't be cut around and is very much identity of, of that person so mm. we shall see um and the other the, the sad news sad news everyone uh life is strange remastered has been delayed to 2022 um i'm 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 glad in a way that they picked the remaster to delay and they're actually still focusing on true colors and wavelengths, uh, which are definitely coming out mm. in a matter of days now. So September 11th and 30th. Um, and that's super, super hype. I'm really excited about that. And I think it's really, I think it's really great that under the current circumstances that uh, these people are, are prioritizing the new content over the remaster. It would have been really easy for them to stick with doing the remaster because it's, it's a, it's a ground already easy to sort of like tread over uh and and leave the sort of the bigger game for a later day but i think it's choosing to sort of release the game we've all been looking forward to because let's be honest there has, isn't much sort of triple a content coming out this year um that uh especially queer triple a content um so yeah super excited as always for life is strange uh but yeah some sad sad news that you'd have to wait just a little bit longer for the remastered editions um yeah. apparently not that much longer they reckon early 2022 so However long I, that piece I, I bet it's just, it, that in that situation is just allocation uh, allocation of resources at this point. Isn't totally. It? Like, yeah, so, yeah, so it's, much it's they can do it during a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. definitely prioritizing the new stuff. I imagine there'd be a lot of uh, video game uh, publishers and developers that would be like, you know what, it's easier just to push out the re-release, yeah. do that yeah. instead. So I'm I'm really happy to see that they're actually you know taking a risk, a bit more of a risk by going for the new content. But with the uh, the size of their studio and, and the fans that they have, I don't think they're going to have any issues at all, honestly. Like, and exactly. I'm, I'm super excited about playing the new game. Hopefully, uh, there's no content in there that'll get my stream flagged. Uh, I don't, do I remember? Did I tell you about what happened during the uh, the, the Square Enix show? 
when they oh, were. Oh yes, the the E mm-hmm. three Square Enix one. So they uh they played they used a ton of copyrighted of, music, didn't they? They used a ton right. of copyrighted music, but they they had like a, a streamer safe version. And instead of actually replacing the music in the game, they just turned off the music. So you're just watching these cutscenes from from uh, True Colors with yeah. like no music in it, and it's the most awkward <laughs> thing. Imaginable. You need a little keyboard or something, and just do sort <laughs> yeah. of. I don't know. Compose as you so go. The along. actual stream safe version is like, okay, this is stream safe music as opposed to just silence. silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I really hope that's the case. Make because, your own oh, background gosh. music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Brian and Eugenia, I presume you're looking forward to Life is Strange? Yeah, I hadn't played the first one through until fairly recently, had seen it, had watched streamers and, and friends play through it, and finally sat down and, and saw the whole thing from top to bottom, and I'm, I am excited. I've watched it. I, I don't know if I could play it because the, the emotions and feelings I got just watching other people go mm. through the storyline and then the different paths of storylines, I'm just like, that is that game is a lot emotionally um i Mm. am i've i've had the same thoughts i am thinking that true colors may be my first actual foray into playing it but yeah those those games those games they hit you they hit you in the feels (laughs) yeah with with that kind of thing sometimes i like i wonder if it's not something best served to like not Mm -hmm. stream and just keep that experience that's personal and just for me but it's always like a a toss-up as streamers how much of how how naked you want to be in front of your audience Mm. i guess um, you know. I remember when I was playing through um, uh, Tell Me Why, um, <laughs> and I'm sort of I I obviously don't stream as you can tell, um, and uh, but I I imagined myself sort of sitting there thinking like if I had to, my partner would sort of come down and I I would just be sort of sat there lost in a cutscene just in this amazing world, and he would go you're okay because you're not really saying anything. Like, oh no, no, I'm just I'm so immersed in this, like I can't imagine being streaming that and and having to still provide commentary or or still having to sort of like talk about stuff or, or whatever like i as as someone that sort of like was relatively new to that whole thing like i, I really was so immersed into that and the, the experiences that i sort of got through that and the feels you get kicked in constantly like tears were happening two or three oh, dear, times yeah. and i don't think some people need to unpack that um on stream particularly people that might have been yeah. through some of those experiences that i think that's one of the reasons that i i still haven't picked up um mm. tell me why just because obviously as a trans person i've been i i, I don't know what that content is gonna be like um and i i, I guess like it's like oh, do i really want to like submit myself to that but i also want to support the game too so it's it's uh yeah it's uh it's a lot it's a lot but um hopefully uh that that's something that i can get into but again that's probably something that i would keep yeah uh, private time personal to myself Mm. makes sense um let's move on from our bite-sized news um back to back to a bit of dnd i think so brian and eugenio it's time for your 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 moment in the spotlight your moment (laughs) of uh getting to know both of you a bit more now obviously we've never done this bit before um we've been we've only had one guest so yeah this this is going to be a little bit uh We haven't, we haven't got to yeah, the quick fire. Fight save, over. Your, save your tension for the quick fire section because that's going to mm-hmm. be a shit show. Because yeah, that's, that's going to be, be kind of like that's going to be really fast and really reactive. Uh, mm-hmm. And trying to do that between two people is going to be fascinating. <laughs> yeah. However, okay. let's let's start off with some sensible questions first. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, generally, you know, whoever wants to jump in can jump in. But since this is our D and D special uh you're both cast members on rivals of Waterdeep. um 
could you introduce the show to us? Like, what's the story? Where's it set? And uh, who do you personally play within the story? Sure. All right. Sure. Uh, so, Rivals of Waterdeep, <laughs> we are going to be starting our 11th season uh, soon. We have not announced the start date yet. Um, but the... Rivals have been together since the Stream of Many Eyes, which was the um, announcement event for, I guess, for Xanathar's Guide, right? That sounds right. Sounds like a Beholder yeah. thing. Um, and they are a group of adventurers uh, based in the city of Waterdeep in Faerun, which is in the uh, Forgotten Realms campaign setting for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they are uh, within Waterdeep. They are based in a little inn manor house that they uh, inherited after the first couple of seasons called Trollskull Manor, uh, which is a setting point from uh, one of the fifth edition hardback adventures, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Uh, so we rivals have taken over uh, Trollskull Manor, but have been all over uh, both the Forgotten Realms and all of the planes uh, within. There have been seasons in, in <laughs> Inherited. Well, hmm. there have been seasons in Avernus in the first level. I'm, I'm just going to jump in. I'm just going to really jump in for two seconds. I'm really sorry for a bit of context. Um, so, oh, hang on. Um, so the, for, the, for the people that right. are watching this or listening it, uh, we're being trolled in the <laughs> chat uh, by by the DM of this group herself. <laughs> um, and so it, we, we might this might turn into a clever three-way kind of conversation <laughs> between two people speaking and one person uh, throwing in some text. Uh, every I, now I will and again. remember so that this is hello an audio to, medium. Hello to Cypher of Tire. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> and it is visual and audio simultaneously. Right, right. Um, um, so, you know, we've been all over. We've gone to the first layer of hell. We've gone to Avernus uh, for adventures. Uh, season eight, I believe, was up in Icewind Dale because that was when Rhyme of the Frostmaiden came out. So they took some of that content. Um, and we're just sort of all, all over the place. The other thing about Rivals to know is that we do have a rotating DM schedule. So every season, a different cast member yeah. uh, DMs the adventure for those 10 episodes. Um, and for the upcoming 11th season, uh, Brian and I are the newest cast members really? to Rivals of Waterdeep. And will be rivals first co DMs. Was that fair? Does everyone do that their first time? And that I feel like that's no, okay. no, they I, do like, not. I don't think that's yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will we'll be we'll be co DMing, um, guiding the rivals in season eleven. But it's it, it's been amazing the um, the places. I mean, we joined um, our characters and we joined the cast in season nine, and that was the Candlekeep Adventures, mm -hmm. and then season ten which first off like 10 seasons and then season 10 contained the, the 100th episode of the show. Um, our, our GM for that season, Masood Hawk took us through, it, it was a lovely like retrospective checking in, bringing back all of these wonderful callbacks from the entire show's run to, um, to essentially mess with us, which, you know, as, Real as, a, good, as a good DM does to, <laughs> to mess with us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so Brian and I, uh, like like he said, just joined in season nine, uh, and we play uh, Kent and Virgil. Uh, I play Kent, and Brian plays Virgil. Uh, not Rivals first canonically queer PCs, player characters, uh, but Rivals first canonically queer couple. Uh, mm -hmm. We are uh, Kent is a tiefling rogue, and Virgil is an Asimar sorcerer. And we come from a little town out east in Faerun called uh, Caradun. We met Selyse as she was traveling to rejoin the rivals uh, at the beginning of season nine and uh, and kind of got swept up in the adventure of it all. And then here we are. Very quickly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was about to ask about the be uh, you're the queer canon canon queer couple. Sorry, that doesn't roll off the tongue <laughs> uh, of the story. Um, how did that come out? So, from a, from a sort of technical point of view, did you did from the day one you know you were going to be the queer couple, or did you did you come on as two separates and then there was some kind of like matchmaking and and did you get married and what was that like? Wow. And, you're rushing us a little bit wow okay so we're going to we're going to ask robin <laughs> to play a nice nbc that is like you know the busybody gay uncle over here right um, exactly so, <laughs> um so when when we were cast um you know and i are friends and we were discussing bringing the characters in together and the main reason we started discussing is that it had been a while since I had played and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't stepping on his toes and the character that he wanted to create. So we ended up, it was sort of back and forth in DMs um, and Tanya to pass Cypher of Tear, who is ribbing us lovingly from the chat. Um, also, I, I think I saw Sharif Jackson, who was also a cast member in chat. Um, we were kind of all three talking about, okay, well, what about this and what about that? So we made characters that are, um, that are somewhat complementary, um, completely unintentionally, and then at some point I said, so are, do these characters know each other beforehand? Are they friends? Are they enemies? Are they more than friends? And we sort of decided to play with the idea that they would come in as an established couple, which, which kind of got past the whole having to have two cast members like woo each other mm. on stream on stream. And essentially Mm -hmm. getting out of the way of the fact that both of our characters are really cute so viewers couldn't ship us because we came pre-shipped like (laughs) (laughs) well it depends about your relationship dynamic i will also say part of part of coming in established like that was actually something that jeremy talked about earlier right which was just to make it matter of fact yeah um you know we we certainly want you know we love all of the all of the cute things that we do and we love the response from the audience but but it, it helped us to make it a fact of the story rather than an event of the story that now there mm. is this queer couple right and i i don't normally do like oh they just happen to be they just happen to be gay but our interactions did lead to a lot of people, like we have a Q&A session after a lot of our shows. And a lot of people kept saying during the episode and after the episode, like, wait, are they a couple? Wait, are they a couple? I think they're a couple, right? And and we're like, how is this not obvious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so great to see, like, uh, like, because I've never actually been in a D&D game or I've even seen a D&D game uh, with two people playing as a couple so that must be like really interesting what i did want to like know about is like what first got you both into D and now that you've been playing for a while what do you enjoy the most about it yeah uh <laughs> so <laughs> i was a uh well i don't know i used to say i was a latecomer to D, but i don't i actually the more people i meet the, the less true i think that necessarily is um i started playing right before fifth edition was released so what is that a little over seven years now i think um and was home one night uh hanging out with the roommates and we'd all had a few bevies and my roommate turns to me and says I have something to confess. And I thought, oh God, he's going to confess his love and that's just awkward and I can't, I'm not ready, I'm not. And he looks me right in the eye and goes, I have always wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I thought, oh, thank God. Um, 
And I said, well, well, that's uh, mm -hmm. me too. Let's diffuse this. Uh, and so I had a couple of friends who I knew played in a weekly game. And, and so we asked them if we could join. And they were sort of right about to finish a campaign. So, so he and I actually hopped in as sort of DM's assistants because we'd never played before either. So we really didn't know much mm -hmm. about it. So we hopped in as DM assistants and ran monsters uh, while they were finishing out their sort of campaign capper dungeon. Uh, which was a really interesting way to learn. Of course, that was 3.5 edition, but to learn sort of the game was to be there to watch a bunch of really long-term players play the game and uh, try and kill them. Um, and from there, I fell hard and I fell fast. Uh, I found some friends when 5th edition came out to DM them through the starter kits, through Lost Minds of Fandelver. Um, not long after that, started an actual play podcast and the rest is history, I guess. Hell yeah. And Brian, how did you get started? I'm just started? realizing, wow, yeah, you fell in like really, really hard. I, um, <laughs> I'm like way back when, I think this would be like, like when it was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like everyone refers to it as the Big Red Book back in the 80s. And, um, you know, like, like Jeremy mentioned earlier, I did not find those fun welcoming tables and I, did ha I didn't have those great groups. So I did not feel super welcomed by the hobby. And after a few sessions, you know, going to conventions and playing in public games, I eventually just put it down and I was like, well, it's fun, but it's not really for me. And much, you know, much later, I started watching the actual play shows and what most appealed to me about them was the improv and the storytelling and how the mechanics supported the world that you wanted to build and the story you want to tell. And then with fifth edition, it was, you know, a lot of people, when they make a game, quote unquote, more accessible, they'll complain about it being easier, but the accessibility of fifth edition really makes it so much easier to come start playing, start telling your story, start enjoying this person that you want to embody. And that's what drew me in. So I was, you know, I was thrilled to be asked uh, to be on the cast of this, but I, I hadn't played a lot there's just this long intervening period where i was like dnd &D, eh. mm. but i'm also a big ham so if you give me a space to improv and and, and act i'm like yeah yeah i mean you, you, <laughs> with you okay um so yeah you give me this scenery you gets me that space, i'm like yeah this so so i love i'm not really good at the rules and the dice and i forget what to roll and i forget i'm glad eugenio started because he knows all the names for things i just like that I just like that I can be a goofball and the rules support that. <laughs> I oh I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm I'm getting once again lovingly ribbed from chat because my my actual yes. reintroduction and Tanya right. uh Tanya to pass was on Gary Witta's talk show, uh Dungeon Talking, which he actually no, sorry, Animal Talking. I'm getting all the blue, um, which was a, a talk show that he hosted on his Animal Crossing Island. And while she was on mm -hmm. it, he mentioned that he'd yes, never he'd never played D D. So she, um, yeah, I love the chat highlight. Like, yeah, it's calling everybody out. Um, so she said, okay, well, I'll run you through Dungeons and Dragons. Why not? Let's do it in Animal Crossing. So we did do um, we did uh, I think we had six or seven episodes. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. And the worst is we left it on a cliffhanger and we never finished it. So maybe one day we'll get back to it. Um, but it was me and Gary Witta and Adam Nickerson and uh, Sharon Woodward, Shannon Woodward, and we ran nine episodes. Goodness gracious, we ended completely. There's a cliffhanger out there in the space that we're coming back to. So 
we we had fun playing that and it was fun to kind of relearn the game through that and realize like what essentially realize what i had been missing and and how and how fun this was and come back to tables that were welcoming and groups that were great and you know again mm -hmm. as jeremy said worlds that are that are actually inclusive and where people really people like us actually exist in them which that was fantastic mm -hmm. to return to Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting you just started to sort of touch on some fun memories. I was, my next question is about what fun memories do you have from playing D&D? &D? Like, obviously, <laughs> massive experience of, of loads of different things, but the, I'm, I'm sure there's maybe one or two what little moments that, yeah, that, that really make you giggle or, or the one thing that really sort of stands out. Um, Yehani, have you got anything that's... Yeah, there, there are a couple of a couple of moments. So I, one of the reasons that we, uh, my, the group of players that I have for my podcast tonight, one of the reasons we started podcasting was just because we wanted a record of our games, uh, not so that we could remember important lore details, but just so we could remember our jokes, because um, we were having a hard time recreating them in stories. Um, we thought, well, since we're recording anyway, we might as well put it out there. Uh, and we've recently gone, started to go back and uh, and get transcripts for our episodes because we've been remiss in terms of accessibility. So we're working on that. And it's been great because it means the whole cast is going back and re-listening from, you know, the past 200 episodes that we've had. And there are so many, <laughs> so many really great, silly, silly moments um, that I think that I think really were uh, like Brian was saying about fifth edition really came from sort of the accessibility, the ease of fifth edition. One of our players had played a single one shot that I ran before we started recording the podcast. So she very much learned along with the show. And I just remember moments of hers, uh, you know, casting spells with unexpected results. And but the one moment that sticks out when you ask about this is we had uh, one of our characters was a cleric. And, oh, there's so much background to this, but essentially the crew wanted to have, they wanted to start a band in their free time. And so it's been a running <laughs> joke for 200 episodes that when they have free time, they do band practice and we do performance checks. And if they all, you know, roll a certain amount, then they, they get an experience point in their band and they get better. So this was the very first band practice. Our monk announced that she was pulling out a banjo that she had with us and we all laughed. And wow. He, the rogue said, well, she's going she's gonna to take out some old daggers that she sort of smoothed down the edges and she's going to play the spoons and we all laugh and <laughs> the druid is going to wild shape into a wolf and howl a melody along and we all laugh and then the cleric says okay i'm going to grab a blade of brass and i'm going to put it between my thumbs and i'm going to blow and i'm going to play you know a grass flute and i said great roll a charisma performance check <laughs> natural one so oh no. Said, okay. So what happens is you put it up to your lips, you take a big deep breath, and you suck the grass into the back of your throat and just start choking. And we, I, I don't know what it was, but that moment just broke the five of us. And and you know, we hadn't really gotten to the cutting editing, made editing for really, you know, smooth, whatever. So it's just several minutes of us laughing, of that player <laughs> making horrible gagging noises into his microphone. And, it, and I was oh, transcribing that episode the other day and just thought, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that D&D &D does, creates this absurd situation that is so hilarious to us in the moment and like is funny to others. But like there is something about being there in that moment and just having the improv go off the rails. That That is what I love so much about this game. Hmm. Hmm. Brian, Brian, do you have anything you? that's yeah. wow. um, Nothing as good mm. as that. That's amazing. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, that's the, 
bit of a it, hard it really one to follow. Is. For me, <laughs> it's for me, it's just I just have I don't know. I have such fond memories of um, you know, I'm I'm not usually like a jokester or a punster except when we're playing D D and then I'm like <laughs> all the puns come out. But I end up making characters that even if they're not like charismatic, I'll play them as such. I love making characters that talk. I love not getting into combat and trying to talk our way out of it. Um, mm -hmm. Which led to me, um, I recently did a charity. Um, it was a, I think we were raising money for St. Jude Play Live and uh, Fierce Kittens on Twitch uh, had to run a one shot, a D&D one shot that was based around memes from her channel. And they worked so hard to come up with this, this end game villain it was the big bad evil guy at the end of the campaign and my character playing a bard says okay but wait i want to talk <laughs> and ended up rolling everything exactly right ended up casting the exact right amount of spells to keep this villain focused on me while i just spun this complete line of bull throughout and I didn't really think about it because I was like, it's improv. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's keep talking, keep talking. And I'm telling the whole the whole party is sneaking around and doing the things they need to do. And later on when we were done, I just, I kind of consciously said, oh, were, were you thinking that was going to turn into combat? I'm sorry. <laughs> they were like, I made this big. And, I'm, and that's the rule of, D that's the rule of Dungeons and Dragons is what you want is not what your players are going to do. So so that's mm -hmm. that's always that's that's always the fun part of me is is essentially leaning all the way into the the ridiculousness and the world and the story you're telling and getting those unpredictable results but knowing that almost everyone on the table is going to roll with it you know yeah mm. honestly i i think that was that was that was great like i loved hearing about that um you briefly mentioned there like talking about like creating characters and um one thing that I'm always interested in is like how players go about creating their characters and if you have any advice for others that are that are trying to create theirs. Like how do you go about finding those characters? Yeah, I mean I think everyone has a different um thing that will start to germinate your character. So for me, it's actually um the class. I almost always start with what class I want to play. And then from there uh, you know, picking the race and then the backgrounds and the story begins to sort of germinate that way. Um, but, but you know, other people start with a full backstory and some people start with, uh, with, you know, the race, whatever it is that starts your germinating, find that, find the most interesting part of your character to you or the thing that you most want to try because you never have before or whatever it is, find that core seed and build out from there. The other piece of advice that I have is that fifth edition does a very good job of giving you a ton of tools. If you're blocked, if you're having mm. a difficult time coming up with a personality or something, there are, there are backgrounds, which include personality traits, ideals, flaws, and bonds. Um, and there are rollable tables in the handbooks, in the player's handbook and in some of the other releases. You don't have to roll on them because, uh, you know, but, but I almost always do because I'll know immediately if what I have rolled is correct or not. And mm. even if it's not correct for the character I'm building, it will often, I will suddenly know why it isn't correct. And that's a whole nother thread that you can find. So I guess my advice is take advantage of the tools that 5e gives you. There are a bunch of mechanical ways into figuring out who your character is beyond just uh, race and class. Yeah, and mm -hmm. don't feel intimidated by the fact that you might not be able to come up with all of that. 
I, I know that my character Virgil in Rivals of Waterdeep essentially is a concept. It's it's like a it's a comic book concept that I have always wanted to play in something. If I was if I wasn't gonna play it in DD, I was gonna play it in a comic book-based game. So, you know, I basically made a essentially a superhero with weather powers. And I was like, okay, what DD archetypes best fit for this? And then I was able to roll backwards from that. But the backstory actually took me, you know, longer and I was playing very, and, and, you know, most campaigns support this. You can play like, I don't want to talk about my past. I'm running away from my past. Don't worry about it. Mm. And then you give, a, and what's fun is as the campaign goes, every little thing that you have all of a sudden thought of becomes part of your character story. And mm. so, you know, it's sort of, it's just sort of leaked out bit by bit. I wasn't purposely trying to hold it back. I just hadn't actually written it yet. So I let that mm -hmm. sort of write itself as the campaign went on. Yeah. It's it's nice to know that you don't necessarily need everything up front and that you can grow and evolve it over time with the story as you're telling it. And sometimes it's even more natural doing it that way. Um, one other way that I do know of is like personally for me, um, I was on a show uh, literally called Character Creation with uh, Lucas Schooneman, and we we just used randomized it with dice, literally just chose everything with dice. And I ended up with a, a clumsy half-elf tabaxi character who was in some kind of religious order but got kicked out because he accidentally ended up breaking this thing and getting... I can't remember what the, what the race was, uh, what the class was called, but I think it was like a, a sorcerer which is like inhabited like by a dark being. Yes. And it was just him being a janitor and accidentally like breaking an old artifact. Oh, and it was I love it. like, cause he was so clumsy as a cat person. <laughs> so yeah. Um, there's so many ways to do it. So many ways. I, that, to be honest with you, that sounds like a great way of doing it because mm -hmm. one thing I, I mean, I, I, so I sort of like, obviously again, I haven't played D and D it's on my to-do list, I promise. But the, um, I think I'm really good at off the cuff stuff. But sit me down and say, you have to think of a funny name or you have to think of a something to write in a box. I go to pieces and I think I just like, even like, I I think of so many great ideas. And then when it, but, but at the start of Animal Crossing, when they say, what's the name of your island? I was like, oh, oh God. Oh, and you just type in some crap and then you're stuck with it for the, like, the rest of your life. Um, and then when you invite people to your island, everyone goes, it's a shit name. Oh. And it's just like, it's just like, oh, oh. But I, but under normal circumstances, I can be quite, I, I, I think I'm quite spontaneous and, and I'm sort of like, think of really cool things. But then if somebody sits me down and goes, right, put it on a piece of paper, I'm sitting like, oh God, um, my name's Bob. And it just, it just all sort of like breaks down. So I think the idea of that random rolling, that random kind of, just to give you some hints and give you some starting points, I think that actually, to me, is a really great, a really great way of doing that. Um, worry, we'll do that for you. We'll get you into it. It's all good. Yeah. We talked uh, with Jeffrey earlier, obviously, about um, about his thoughts on, on D&D &D and, and being queer and everything else. But I, I, I kind of wanted to come back to it with you two to have, see if you had any kind of personal reflections on it. And I'm just I'm going to come to Brian so he can't pass it straight <laughs> off to Eugenio straight away. Um, but Brian, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, to you, why is D&D &D such a great game? for LGBTQIA plus people? It's great because you get to imagine the world that you deserve to exist in. And there is, you can make your world without 
anything bad you can make, you know, and, and there are discussions before people will sit down for a campaign and say, okay, our world doesn't have racism. It doesn't have homophobia. Mm. It doesn't have transphobia. It doesn't have fatphobia. It doesn't have ableism. It doesn't have any of these things. And that is the beauty of, that's the beauty of these worlds is that you exist in them. You know, it's rivals of Waterdeep. It just happens to be an entire, you know, an entire cast of people of color. And when I started playing D&D, you would have not seen anything like that in any book anywhere. Mm. So the fact is, you just, you tell and you spin the story of a world where you exist and you can be great. And I think that's the best thing. Did you, did you smack the mic again? It's, it's oh, okay. It, okay. It's okay. With it's, uh, Mochi. It's, okay. Yeah, it's, my, it's he, the customary time that Mochi comes and ruins the gotcha. podcast for us all. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's like the, that's the best thing is you get to build the world where, um, you know, you can create a world that you want, even if that doesn't reflect the one that's outside your window. I love that. I, I think it's really important um, that I can see <laughs> a lot of people that escapism. Yeah, I was, about, I, was, I was literally about to say, I, I think a lot of people that that either enjoy that world or a lot of people that need that world, a, a lot of people that whatever's going on with them in their in their real life, they, they know they've got this escapist point that they can build the world that they want to exist in. Um, which is really important, obviously. Um, Eugenia, had anything to add to that or any personal reflection? Yeah, I mean, well? all of that, right? It takes away all of the all of the limitations of of that other people put on. I mean, I you know, hopefully you've got a good DM and a good table, so you get to do whatever you want with no limitations mm. of of coding and game design, right? That you sort of inherently have, even in the best of video games. But the other thing is, you know, being able to explore as a as a player playing a character, being able to explore different people, different personalities, different experiences from the inside out is, is amazing. You know, I, I've heard all kinds of stories about how tabletop helps people discover things about themselves, helps them come out, helps them understand different aspects of themselves. And, you know, communal collaborative storytelling in one form or another is, is pretty much as old as human language, right? And so there is this if you've really got a, a good game going that you're invested in and the table is telling this story, there really is this investment, this, this sort of really living in your characters that can happen. And, you know, people can say, I make my characters that are me or I make my characters that are not me, but they're all something that we sort of live in for the duration of these game sessions and something that we experience mm -hmm. for the duration of these game sessions in a way that, I don't know really anything else that can quite do it like this. Um, and so that is the other aspect, right, of why that sort of representation is important in gaming, because if someone sees that you can try out all of these things, that you can explore these things, then that encourages them to do the same and maybe learn learn some really important things about themselves. I really enjoyed the idea of Jeffrey saying earlier as well about the fact that a lot of people take their experience from D and D and move that and take that forwards into video game design in into their work, mm. uh, it, and I love the idea of 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 creating these kind of like super diverse, super wonderful worlds, and then using that and and carrying that into modern game design of actual video games. Um, I think that's a really inspiring thing. 
sorry, I think it's that's super smart. It's your sorry, question. Cat. Yes. Cat. <laughs> Cat. Um, he's being a nightmare. I apologize. Um, what one thing I did want to ask about as well is like uh if you're somebody that hasn't ever sat down to play D D, uh hasn't even had the chance to, hasn't even approached it. If Robin here, yes. So if there is a beginner. How can a beginner get started? What's your best advice to somebody who hasn't played D D of how to get into the game? That's that's open. Sure. Whoever wants to go first. So for me, there's sort of two scenarios, right? Um, one is if you have if you have a friend mm -hmm. who does, if you have friends, a friend, whatever, that have played and are gonna be your dungeon master, then you know, lean on them. Uh, I think Jeremy's suggestion of sit them down here's your character sheet, tell me what you want to do. I think that's a beautiful way to get mm. players in. Um, I, I mm -hmm. in the past, have done that with a, a little more coaching on the front end, although hearing Jeremy talk about it, maybe I don't need to. Um, so that's that's one way. Uh, um, but the other is, you know, if it's, if it's just you, if it's just a bunch of people who have never played before, I can't, and I know it's going to sound like I'm, you know, shilling for Watsi right now, but like truly, I can't, I can't think of a better tool than the starter kit um, that came out as fifth edition was released. DM or player, that adventure in there and the resources that are in that starter kit box are really, really well designed for a starting player, even for a starting DM. I was a starting DM. That's how I learned was the Lost Minds of Fandelver adventure. Um, so using that tool, um, and the only other thing I'll say is there's so much awesome actual play out there, live, video, audio, podcast, mm -hmm. stream. Go check some of that out and just get a flavor for what it feels like to watch a game. Don't expect your game to be exactly the same, but it gives you an idea of sort of the basic flow of a game session. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are a certain uh, games running online right now that you well, could go and watch. Or starting soon. Well, starting I mean, I had to yeah. think there's, of you know a few. There's this there's this one show I I think it's returning for its eleventh season, oh. but I I don't it's yeah, I, I heard yeah. that. no yeah all of that yeah. all of that's amazing I I think and um, especially what Jeremy said about leaning into the experienced players or or your dungeon master in the group in that you can you can make a character and you can do whatever you want and I love I love using pre generated characters because sometimes I have zero inspiration. And then I kind of let mm. it hit me as I start embodying this character at the table. I'm like, oh, okay. And you then find out what does or what you do or don't like, what does or doesn't work for you. But what I also love about the system is, you know, you can still say, well, you know, my character tries to do this. Even if your character is not built or specced to be able to do that at all. And somebody, somebody says, well, okay, you can try. And maybe it has hilarious results. Maybe it has amazingly successful results. You don't know, but yeah, there's really just um, there's really just nothing. I feel like people are very. I mean, I'm intimidated by the numbers. I'm intimidated by the lore. I'm intimidated by like the the massive legacy this game has. But it's also really mm. simple to just get a starting character sheet and say, okay, well, I I want to cast spells. I want to set things on fire with my mind. Let's go. <laughs> Totally, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to work away from D and uh, D for just two seconds. Um, so, Brian, outside of D and D, uh, you're best known as a streamer, um, urban bohemian. Uh, what is it you enjoy most about streaming? Um, did I already say I'm a big ham? Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I enjoy it because um, you know my day job is in IT, and 
the thing that I most love and kind of laugh about is I actually have now scheduled time in my week to play video games, which is really nice. Um, although I do play a lot of stuff off stream, but especially during the past um, year and are we at a year and a half now? We, we will be a year and a half now into a pandemic, the connections and the community and the way that we have been able to convert being online into a whole new way to connect with people, I think has, mm. that's why I love doing it. Um, and it, it's for my own mental health as well. Like I, people say they watch and they enjoy mm. it, but also I love doing it, but you know, I, and um, you know, you you knows I would, if, um, well, yeah, if, if things had happened differently, I would probably be doing a lot more theater, but IT pays better right now. Um, so <laughs> from the other end yeah. of that, yes, yes, it does. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, honestly, it's a it's a good way to flex that creative muscle and and kind of get that part of yourself out there. And yeah, I you know the things you discover about yourself while streaming, like you know that you're entertaining or that you have amazing opinions on games or that you're really good at a game and you never knew. Those kind of things make it a lot of fun for me, but mostly it's the connecting with people. Hmm. I love it. Um, yeah, that's uh, exactly like that's exactly like my thoughts on on streaming as well. It's so nice uh, during this pandemic as well to have those communities there that we can lean on hmm. in these times. It's uh, it's so good to have that. Now, uh, you know, um, I have a question for you. Uh, so outside of D&D, I know that you are a, uh, a theater artist, a podcaster, and a game designer. Uh, what what kind of things are you working on at the moment? Can you bring us up to yeah. speed? Yeah. Um, so, yes, theater artist, not for the last 18 months, uh, but that's sort of where it all started. And mm, that might be yeah, a little it's, bit it's difficult, been difficult at the but moment. But I've been so, so very fortunate to have found a place um, in streaming and game design. Um, so in addition to uh, our co-DM season of Rivals coming up, uh, we have just started uh, the third season for a show called Into the Motherlands. Um, it's another tabletop game, uh, but it's not the Dungeons & Dragons system. Uh, a really mm -hmm. incredible group of, of designers and developers and players uh, led by, this name keeps coming up, because she's awesome, uh, Tanya DePaz, Cypher of Tear, uh, have come together to create a really awesome sci-fi tabletop game um, the basic premise is that uh, Mansa Musa, who was a real life, uh, this is actual history, uh, um, Malian emperor uh, hundreds of years ago and arguably the richest man in history, uh, sent out an exploratory group of, of people across the Great Western Ocean, which is, of course, the Atlantic Ocean, to discover new lands. And the true history is that the, the expedition disappeared and was never heard from again. So we took that and decided, well, they were never heard from again because space and wormholes <laughs> and they found themselves on a new planet uh, called Vatoa and so it is a sci-fi setting that we are in the midst of developing we're in the midst of writing a setting book for uh, we are in in the midst of our third streamed season um, and you know the premise is it's a sci-fi setting like any other we talk a lot about exploration we talk a lot about that sort of stuff but it's a setting in which the humans um, are are primarily black people and they are black people who do not have the generational baggage of racism and slavery and and colonization because they left earth before all of that happened um and mm. so it's been a really really uh i don't i don't i don't really know how to how to describe what the experience has been as a person of color uh, leading as the storyteller a cast of really incredible black role players um and getting to watch them 
you know, live in this world that we have all created together, all POC team, um, and and explore stories without having any of that baggage to sort of deal with if they are playing uh, human descendant characters. Mm. So that's that's a that's sort of the big uh, the big other project I've got going on these days. I love that. I mean, it's that just sounds amazing. So um, I should have just said we we, we missed an obvious thing. Um, give us some links to to where to watch both rivals and also uh your new project or your third season project yeah uh so rivals when we get started again will be every sunday at uh 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific 6 p.m uh bst uh at twitch.tv slash rivals of waterdeep uh we'll announce soonish when we are coming back for season 11 uh we're taking a slightly longer hiatus this time but we'll be back and then into the motherlands uh which brian does uh the introduction over voiceover for every single episode uh that's, that is every was that i was gonna say yeah that's that's true watch sorry watch into the motherlands on twitch.tv slash cypher of tear there it <laughs> it's, is it's a thing eh. that's uh <laughs> that's every wednesday uh 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific midnight bst which i know uh very clearly because our wonderful producer uh lives in the uk and is up to all, all hours producing our stream every week <laughs> uh, so <laughs> love it love it uh we dropped some links to those uh in the chat um, as always, we finish with quick fire questions. Now, as there's two of you, uh, we are going to go alphabetically. So, Brian, you're going to go first, and then Eugenia, you're going to go second, answering each question as we go along together. Um, we're not going to run one and then run the other. Uh, no, we'll do no. question by question, and then then two responses. Um, it is it is stream of thought. It's off the top of your head. Um, yeah. So um, I'll start you off with an easy one. So if I were to say what's been your favorite game this year, you would say. Oh, oh we're both doing them. Sorry. You, you would say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> oh, Hades. Hades. That's how this works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the most memorable game from your childhood? Merlin. And Ocarina, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Good answers. Nice. Uh, who's your favorite video game character? Ooh, uh, 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 goodness, it's the, 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 the Assassin's Creed, uh, what's the, the, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the, the Alexios, no? Jesus, wow, Alexios. that, right there, it was right there. <laughs> um, you know, right now, I think it's actually, it might actually be, uh, um, Shepard from Mass Effect. Oh. Nice. Uh, what game would you most want a sequel to? Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition, I'm itching for that fourth game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's yeah, coming. I know it's this feels like a slightly cop-out <laughs> answer, but <nah. laughs> uh, Who would be your dream stream guest? So if you get anybody in the world, live or dead, who would you want on your stream? Uh, golly. Um, John Waters comes to mind first. Nice. I had an idea, and then you said golly, and I misheard you, so now I'm going to say Dolly Parton. <gasps> oh, wow! I, I grew up going to her theme park. I grew up, you know, in nearby, and uh, oh, that's, that's amazing. all I want now that you said that. that. Mm -hmm. I changed mine? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to have the microphone suspended, wouldn't you? Because if it was like this, it'd just be constant. It'd just be knocked around. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> what Yehenia uh, has answered this one already, but what game are you most looking forward no, to coming yeah, out? Thank you. Um, I'm the worst. I have no idea. 
I'm the worst at following game news and coming out game news, so I don't know. Pass. Life I was. That's what I was going to say. I, I know we say, already talked about it, but I think it might it. be. Yeah. That's a second cop I know, out. I know. Uh, is there anything else that I've heard about? Mm. No, sorry. There, there, there are a lot of different okay. styles and genres I've seen coming out. I just can't, I cannot pinpoint their names to the games. And 12 minutes is out soon. That looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, next question. If you were marooned on an, an island, what three games would you want to have with you? It can be any games. It's a, it's a very, very special island, but yeah. you have internet access, but for some reason you're not calling you for, call help. for help. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, three games would <laughs> be the um, arcade cabinet of X-Men. Um, the X-Men, it's a, the four-player thing, even though it's just me. Um, yeah. I would mm-hmm. probably take Gauntlet Legends on the Sega Greencast, and I would definitely do Borderlands 2 until I died. <laughs> Yeah. I think I would actually take a gauntlet cabinet. That's what <gasps> I remember playing. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen and something older. So, oh, um, uh, what was this game called? Legend of Gaia, I think. It was an old oh, yeah. like, Super Nintendo mm. RPG that I just have really oddly fond memories of. Hell yeah. Love that. Uh, which game has the best soundtrack? Oh. I do not process game soundtracks in the way that others do. I don't know. I, you know what? I had a really good soundtrack that you got to interact with a ton was Hades. I really thought they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hades yeah. is great. I mean, I can, well, no, I can go back and say Loom. It's an old, old, old Lucasfilm game, mm-hmm. Loom. And it actually, I was a band nerd and you had to play music in the game and the soundtrack actually supported oh, your choices really? in the game, but it's an nice. old game. Yeah. That is dope. Okay, final question. Feel free to take your time on this one because it's where can people find your content and what have you got coming up on your channels? Um, wow, I don't know. Internet, huh? Um, no, they can pretty <laughs> much find me everywhere on the internet as Urban Bohemian. I primarily stream games on Twitch a few days a week. I do video games, uh, chatting, uh, food and drink, crafting, uh, they can also find me on Rivals of Waterdeep on Sundays when we return for season 11. And coming up soon, I'm going to be on a panel, um, actually with Eugenio, uh, for FlameCon next weekend. We're going to be on a panel uh, talking about basically diversity in character creation in video games. And um, next week, I'm, oh, sorry, no, before that next week, I'm going to be in a, a level one meat grinder one shot on D&D yeah. Beyond for their fourth anniversary. Uh, D&D Beyond helps support nice a lot of D&D live play shows. Uh, and a meat grinder is essentially one where you are expected to, your character's expected to die. So I'm going to have a lot of backup characters for that. <laughs> Love, Love it. it. Uh, you can find me most places online at DM Jazzy Hands, uh, Twitter and Twitch being the primary places. Uh, I also stream video games during the week, Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, uh, 2 Eastern, 7 BST. Uh, going through Mass Effect with little tastes of uh, Boyfriend Dungeon. Um, Wednesday nights into the Motherlands over on Cypher of Tears channel. Uh, I also have, uh, I mentioned a couple times, an actual play D&D podcast called The Last Refuge. Uh, we are not dropping an episode this Wednesday, but pretty much every other Wednesday you can get a new episode. We're actually recording episode 200 on Tuesday night. So uh, excited about that. And uh, Brian mentioned the FlameCon panel, and I think that's pretty much what the uh, what the week holds for me. 
Very Fantastic. cool. Fantastic. Love nice. all of that. Uh, Brian the New Henio, thank you so much for joining us today. And a big thank you, obviously, to Jeff, who was here earlier uh, from Wizards. And also a quick shout out to Cypher of Tear, uh, who's possibly still lurking in the chat. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, we love you all. Um, it's been yeah. absolutely fantastic this year one of the uh the most fun i've had i think honestly absolutely um real quick i want to th say thank you so much everybody for joining us on this episode of the gaming podcast live we will be back in about two weeks time with our last ever gaming podcast live digipride special digipride is coming to an end but uh you know we're queer all year so uh make sure you keep checking out the channel Absolutely. Um, if you want to listen to any of these episodes, the Gaming Podcast Live is available on all good platforms. Yeah. And if you're listening right now on those platforms and want to watch the recordings live, head on over to twitch.tv forward slash gaming mag and hit the follow button. Um, we've had so many more people coming on and hitting that button recently. It would be great to have you here. Uh, but that's it for this episode. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to keep reading Gaming Magazine. And we'll see you all very, very soon. See you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye.